I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Queer Talk, a queer podcast that brings you a regular dose of positive news stories and fabulous interviews. Hi. Hi. Today, we're joined by a truly inspirational person, Lee Benedetti. Lee is a creative producer, non-binary activist, and a speaker based in London. Lee has worked with many organisations, including LGBT charity Albert Kennedy Trust, and also hosted Stonewall's Children and Young People Conference in 2019. Welcome, Lee. Hi! Thank you so much (laughs) for having me here. I'm so excited. (laughs) Always. This energy is what we need. Okay, I think we should jump straight in. So our first positive news story this week, I stole from Gay Times, and it's looking at the 10 of the best LGBTQ plus shows that you can now watch on Disney plus. They just did this massive like update of shows and the queers are living, like living. (laughs) And when I say the queers, I mostly mean just me Um, because I, I just lost my mind. I got so excited when I saw the list. First of all, not a show, but... The Devil Wears Prada is now on Disney Plus. Like we needed access to this film. Like it should be like a gay human right to to have access to this film all the time. Spencer, um, you're gonna hate me. I've never watched it. No way. I've what? Never watched Devil no, what? no, I haven't. What? Genuinely, I know it's really bad. No. But it's on Disney Plus now, so I can watch it, right? I've seen it three yeah. times since it came out on Disney Plus. Okay, we can do a, we can do like a streaming party Please. and watch it together. Okay, Spencer, so you're like listening the to Queer side. Talk. Um, I, I'm now looking for a new co-host. So uh, if you want to apply. I just an email. <laughs> the, con- the, the constant threat of getting a new co-host is real. <laughs> no way. I could never leave you. I could never ever leave you. But like, you need Aww. to watch this film. It's like education. It's a classic. Mm. What makes it queer? Um, oh. <laughs> exactly. What doesn't make it queer? <laughs> okay, Miss Stanley Tucci. Incredible. Okay. Just Meryl, Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah. Meryl. Meryl Streep. I'm surprised you've made it this far in life, like understanding conversations, because most people are just like. I feel like half my life is just catching up on gay culture. Oh, bless! You know, like they're like, oh, florals in spring, groundbreaking. Oh, Have you not seen this gosh. anywhere? <laughs> and the cerulean oh, blue. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> oh, must seen. Okay, um, moving on before we just rip into my scene for another oh, episode. No. So I just I just listed a couple of the shows. So one of them was American Dad. Now, I actually like American Dad. It's a bit crude and, you know, it, it can be problematic at times. But one of their leading characters is a pansexual, psychopathic, gender-fluid alien what? called Roger. Wow. <laughs> Have you seen American Dad? I've never seen that, but that ticks so okay. many boxes. Yeah, all the boxes. A little a little bit strange that it's an alien, but like Roger just shows up dressed however they want, doing whatever mm. they want, going out into the real world. And Roger was actually named the gayest cartoon character of all time back in 2014. Really? So impressive. I'm I'm surprised by that, but also I'm very here for it. So yeah. we should welcome we should welcome Roger with open arms into our I mean, community, okay? okay? I remember watch, I remember watching American Dad and obviously Roger is a queer character, always cross dressing, wearing whatever they want. But I just I don't know, like it's an alien, so it's not really representing people. Oh it represents yeah. me. So I never really thought too much about <laughs> it being it being gay representation. Lee's out here like, what do you mean it's an alien? Like aren't we aren't we all? I feel represented. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just me then. <laughs> okay, the next one, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh. Now everyone loves Buffy. Now I mm. haven't seen this one, but Buffy was the f- the first show to have a long-term lesbian relationship on US television, and they also were the first ever lesbian sex scene on mainstream television. Oh wow. So we should tune in just for that, right? Like that that is groundbreaking. Um it's it's relatively old as in everyone knows of Buffy in some yeah. way shape or form. How groundbreaking to make make history twice in one show. That's amazing. I um, feel like I missed it. I think I might have been too young <laughs> when it was like popular. Yeah. 
I, I, oh feel, I feel. I feel. How that. are you queer if you haven't watched Buffy? <laughs> <laughs> I know what it is. I just like. I don't know. I didn't get to it, but I watched the L word. So. Okay. I haven't seen that either. I'm oh. such a baby. I was watching Teletubbies when all this was on. <laughs> <laughs> also, queer representation. Like, is it Tipsy Tipsy Whipsy? Tinky Winky. Tinky Winky. Tipsy Whipsy is me on a Friday night. I don't know about <laughs> one Tipsy of the Whipsy. That's also queer representation, surely. Um, but <laughs> Willow and Buffy, like iconic couple, um, Willow and Tara. I just like it when people have healthy relationships on TV. Oh, same. We need more of that. The next show was Brothers and Sisters. And it was, again, a relatively older show. And they just had an openly gay character who was openly gay to his family and his workplace. And that was applauded by critics at the time. And it was the ninth same-sex wedding ever to air on US television. Wow. The ninth. The ninth. So not the first. So Brothers and Sisters were a little bit slow, but... Listen, I'm just pulling these facts. I was out just right going to say, where, where are you getting these facts? Is this I mean, on to the, be fair, is this on the Gay Times article? Yeah, Gay Times found these facts. I don't know <laughs> any of the above, okay? But Amazing. I'm taking full credit right here. It's just like a tease. Um, like this is the ninth wedding. By the where's, way, where's, I'm where's so clued up. I yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to do some research on that. You've caught me out now. But swiftly moving on, a show I have seen and love, Glee. Oh my god, Glee is on Disney Plus. Glee was already on Netflix, um, so there might be some beef there. I mean, maybe they, maybe Glee is just everywhere. But Glee honestly changed my life. Walking around high school singing and being, you know, in the closet on TV. What? My life on TV? Excuse mm-hmm. me. So that was just that was just everything. And they they literally covered everything. One day someone was pregnant. Next day someone was being beaten up. The next day, um, you know, everything was going on in Glee. Like almost too much. I watched it back like a year or so ago. And I'm like, wow, this was really heavy for like little old me to watch back in high school. Like, how did I cope with that? Glee is very dramatic, but I guess that's why it's entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it when I was a teenager. I need to rewatch it at some point. You do, you do. So obviously we had Kurt and Blaine, who were the cutest couple ever. <laughs> and then we had Santana, who was played by the late Naya Rivera, who dated Britney on and off. They were kind of like friends with benefits, but they, they were definitely queer. So... It's just so nice to see. It kind of wasn't the focus of the show either. Like, Santana and Britney's relationship wasn't, like, something... Obviously, Kurt got bullied for being gay. But Santana and Britney was kind of like, yeah, we slept together. Like, fuck they you. What, what's there. it got to do with you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I think we definitely need more of that. Um, I was speaking to someone the other day, and it's like, if we could just be in these narratives but not be the main characters, or be the main characters without trauma or struggle, like, imagine how much, you know, easier life would be. Ah, uh, I'm leaving for that. <laughs> <laughs> Love Victor is on there too. Now, there was a lot of controversy around getting this aired in the first place, and, I, I mean, Disney weren't going to upload it at one point, so I think it's nice that they finally, you know, got with the programme, and mm. they finally realised that the queers need this uh, on TV. Modern Family is also on Disney+. Plus. Oh Cam God, and Mitch, family. honestly, <laughs> give me life. The, the campest two people... I remember when they were announcing their baby. <laughs> Mitchell God. comes out holding the baby in the air to the soundtrack <laughs> of The Lion King. Oh, that's and it was, it, was, it was the most extra thing I've ever seen yeah. in my life. And I was like, noted, when I have a child, this is how we're going to tell people. <laughs> they were very extra. I always remember their like mural that they had above the baby's crib <laughs> of them as angels. <laughs> It's so extra, but so funny. Dead. And the finale of this article, and the only reason I showed up today, (laughs) Ugly Betty is on Disney Plus, okay? Ugly Betty is my life. When when me and Mavsin were planning, I'm like, um, so I'm gonna talk about Ugly Betty this week. And Mavsin's like, but 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 why? And I'm like, what do you mean why? Like the Ugly Betty is literally the foundation of queerness. And that's a very bold statement to make. It is, and you it know, is. that's we're a terrible Betty, thing to honestly. say. <laughs> we're all Betty, honestly. We're Betty. all Betty. We can all relate to Betty. And I'm so thrilled that this is uh, on, on Disney+. Plus. When this came out, okay, the biggest thing, so obviously we had Mark, the gay assistant, who was extra and epic, but quite typical. We had Betty's nephew, Justin, who's, who also played quite a stereotypical character. But we had Miss Alexis on here, and she was a f- Daniel's formerly a dead trans sister. Well, I like that, formerly dead. But if you right. watch the show, you know she was formerly dead. <laughs> she was formerly dead. <laughs> They thought that she was dead and then she shows up. Not only does she show up, she doesn't show up as a victim. 
which is often how trans people are played or, you know, anything else. She shows up, she's like, I own this company. I'm taking over, by the way. Oh, I'm going to be a complete bitch and I'm going to rule this entire show. And I'm like, excuse me, Alexis. And she looked stunning the whole time she did Always. it. There was no slip up, no makeup slip, no hair out of place. The dresses, the body, the attitude, huns. I love I that. I just, I love the glow up. I love how the oh. whole show is based on this glow up. And I just, uh, I feel like we can all relate to that. Because honestly, what queer person was cute? It's like <laughs> a teenager, like none of us. But none we glowed up. <laughs> True. Honestly, should we just switch off now and go watch the rest of Ugly Betty? <laughs> yeah, you can, Spencer. Uh, we'll continue the episode. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> but I feel like Ugly Betty was ahead of its time, right? Because it was 2005, really? 2006. Yeah. And it was dealing with racial politics or like culture issues with, you know, because uh, Betty is, I think, Mexican. It was dealing with that. And then, you know, you've got her whole family life as well. And you've got, you know, all the gay characters and queer characters like actually being prominent characters doing their thing being really funny at the same time so it was like it was dealing with a lot and before this episode I looked up like other shows that I used to watch when I was younger and I was like charmed I used to watch a lot of charmed but it had eight seasons and only like four LGBT characters who was like secondary characters and I'm like what that's the thing like we can watch these shows and never get any representation even if it's eight seasons in with 23 episodes each season and like whoa like that was that was from like 2000 to 2005 and then Ugly Betty came around in 2006. So it's like Ooh. things have changed so much in that kind of 10 year span. And they stole the show. Oh yeah. I'm just going to sit here and scream about Ugly Betty. <laughs> um, Lee, did, do you have a moment where you were watching a show and you were like, I feel seen? I think it was the L word for me. Because I started yeah. watching that when I was about 16, I think. And it was the first time that I saw that many gays on TV. <laughs> And it was weird because when I first started watching it, I, I think I had a friend or two that watched it in college and I used mm. to watch it like late at night on my computer. <laughs> and then after, I think I watched the first season, I started talking to people about it and they were like, oh yeah, it's it's cool, it's a good show. But oh, I fell in love with the characters in a way that was really important to me because I, I felt mm. so seen. And they were like, there was black people in the show as well, <laughs> which is is good, you know for a show that was so queer yeah. and old because the old word um, came out like ages ago. Yeah. It, it reminds us that pe- people did know what they were supposed to be doing back then. Like in terms of representation, like we're fighting for for black characters, for queer <laughs> characters now. And we're like, wait, but they were already doing it all this time ago. Like what, what stopped in between? It's true. It's true. I don't know. I think it's one of those things like they are scared of the backlash a lot of the times. Yeah. Especially yeah. Um, having trans characters like transness always comes with the backlash from, you know, transphobic societies. There's always yeah. that. We were lucky to have shows like L Word, but mm-hmm. that was the one production company and like there's probably loads of other people who wouldn't take the risk Definitely. of having a trans show or a lesbian show or you know, a gay show because yeah. it's always deemed to be riskier because there's going to be less of an audience, therefore there's no money in it, you know? Yeah. But we shouldn't allow stuff like that to stop us from having representation. It's true. true. Amen. <laughs> and that is the end of my celebration of Ugly Betty. Um, so I think I, I think we should uh, we should wait. Wait. Me. We didn't even talk about your favorite scene from Ugly Betty. We're not going to find out what's your favorite scene. Oh, but every scene is my favorite scene. Okay, oh, you need to, to watch it again, it, don't no. you? No, you need to talk yeah, about I... like, at least one scene. Putting Spencer on the spot here. <laughs> I can't remember scenes. I've been put on strict, like, I'm not allowed to watch Ugly Betty until I'm reunited with my boyfriend. And that makes me so angry. And I was going to just do it behind his back, but, like, you know, trust issues and all that. Oh, my gosh, you can't do that. I need to wait. I need to wait. So now I'm waiting, but, like, now I've been put on the spot, and this is all his fault. I'm going to call him afterwards and tell him (laughs) off for for making this so difficult for me. Poor poor Luke. So I was also reading Gay Times and UK's first ever LGBTQ retirement community is going to open up in 2021 in the summer. Yeah. So this is tonic housing. So the mayor of London gave a 5.7 million loan to start this community for older LGBT people. And it will be the first LGBTQ affirming retirement community. And tonic house started in 2014. So they've been trying to get this up and running for a while now. 
their prime objective is to tackle the issues of loneliness and isolation in older LGBTQ people. And Anna Keir, who's the chief executive, said, we are making history today, realising a long-held dream to provide a safe place for older LGBTQ people to live well in a community where they can be themselves and enjoy their later life. I think that's lovely, to be honest. And I don't know about you, but I'm scared of getting old, like, genuinely. Me. <laughs> Me. No, seriously, because, like, I don't know, like, with straight people, it's kind of like the whole heteronormative, like, you're going to have kids, you're going to reproduce and all this stuff, and you have offspring who take care of when you're older. I'm like, as a gay man, at least, like, I don't think I ever had that as an option when I was growing up. So I was, like, always scared of growing up lonely. And I don't, I just, especially in LGBT scene now, like, I don't think we talk about what older life is going to be like. So... I think this is great and I'm hopefully hopefully this is going to like take off and really bring the community together and talk more about how we support our older generation because we're all, we're all going to be older. older. No you won't you forget me. No oh, I will wow. look after you. You're you're like yeah I reckon you're like 10 years ahead of me. Oh, wow. No. Wow, he's aging me. Wait. Do you I, hear this Lee? You're you're 30 this year. I am. And I'm 22. <gasps> That's eight. You're 22. That's almost 10 years. No I'm just 22. Way. I Thanks thought you were the same age as me. <laughs> How old are you? Are we allowed 25. to ask? 25. Wow. So I'll take care of you both now. So when I'm older, <laughs> you two can take care of me. Yeah, mostly you can be our sugar daddy and I'll put some aside for when you need help later. Okay, well, oh, wow. opening... <laughs> oh my God. So Tonic Housing is going to open up a community space in Bank House in Vauxhall. So that's South London. What do you think, Spencer? Because obviously we already talked to Paula from Opening Doors London and they support older people. They deal a lot with isolation and loneliness already. They had their befriending service pre-lockdown mm. and obviously lockdown hit and then meeting people and, and having one-to-one just wasn't possible anymore. So they moved all of their services online and into a tele-friending service where they would phone people regularly. But it's just not the same, right? It's it's incredibly helpful, but a lot of older people don't use you know social media, internet services. So being able to have access to this, it will have cut a lot of people off. Mm-hmm. So this kind of space where you can home these people and, and make sure that they're they're in a safe environment, they're being, you know, looked after, is vital. I know Opening Doors London worked a lot on the initial research for this. There's Professor Ben Thomas is a member of their team, and I spoke to him back in LGBT History Month last year, talking about, you know, being older and how intergenerational conversations need to happen and we need to all look out for each other. And yeah, he helped collate a lot of the information which helped them do what they're doing now. So it's great to see that, that, you know, they're not rivals, they're all working together. Again, what we were saying about TV, back in the 80s, there were housing associations for LGBTQ plus people, mm. and they all vanished because councils started to re- reclaim their buildings, a lot of stuff was sold off privately, and so these spaces that protected LGBT people vanished, and that protection then vanished with it. So I think we have, I think we were like in a good place, and then we've we've. This dipped. is the thing, things always go through cycles, especially when it comes to LGBT venues, because they're not really protected. I mean, hopefully because this is kind of with the of London I'm I'm hoping that behind the scenes there is some level of protection to make sure that this is always going to be an LGBT like home yeah and I guess one of the things I was thinking about when I was reading this article was that it's great that there's an LGBT community uh, for older people on its way but does that mean that existing retirement homes aren't LGBT friendly like do we need to do more for the existing communities and the people who already live there because yes, we're making this space, but then are we addressing the like the current issue of homes not being LGBT friendly properly? I don't know. Like it makes me think about the wider picture sometimes, and I'm like, what's happening with those people? That- yeah, because yeah. we'll never be able that- to fit everyone into an LGBT home, right? Or especially right, exactly. Right now, so. There's a lot of issues in this space already. There was, I guess, a movement. I don't know that launched called Pride in Care a little while ago. And it is exactly that. Care homes don't know how to support LGBTQ plus people. And so when they come in and they get discriminated against by the other members, by the staff, there's nothing in place to protect them. And when you have members of your care home that suffer with dementia and stuff like that, they might not be able to articulate how they're feeling, what the situation is. And so that stuff doesn't get addressed and doesn't get resolved. So this Pride in Care um, situation is, is vital. But yeah, we do we do need to do more. My my solution for this was just to have mixed mixed communities. Like imagine a bunch of, you know, youths, queer youths, also with a bunch of oldies, 
all in the same space. I would love that. Imagine the learning and the protection. And like, we could go out and like mow the lawn in our short shorts and the oldies could live for it. And we could all like go, like cook dinner for each other. It would be really nice. I'd love yeah, that. I love the short shorts, it sounds great. I would love to live in a place <laughs> like that. We would get to know people and their stories and like really, really understand each other. And I, I would be so excited to go and live in somewhere with a mixed range of people from our community. Me too. Generally, me too. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So let's dive in to our next gorgeous interview. We're joined by the inspiration that is Lee Benedetti. We followed Lee for a while now and along the journey we have been inspired by their documentation of their transition and the gorgeous visuals they put out by making the world a better place. Now you can't see Lee right now but they have the pink arch that you see on their Instagram. (laughs) behind them and it's it's iconic to be to to be present in this yeah the color coordination i'm honestly just seeing pink that's all i can see right (laughs) now the first question is what does a typical week look like for you and where do you find the space to to inspire and be positive all the time because me and mostly spend most of our time grumbling about stuff and it's so good to see you just like so full of life all the time so my weeks um sort of change you know, from time to time, because I've gone full freelance for a few months now, which is kind of stressful, kind of won my job back. (laughs) Um, But it's fun in a way because every day is different. So I make content for brands. I also do writing sometimes. I do workshops. uh, I do speaking gigs. So it's a lot of different stuff and a lot of emailing back and forth yeah and so- sometimes getting ghosted sometimes like ghosty people i feel so sorry because i'm hella <laughs> dyslexic <laughs> so sometimes like the admin life is tough um yeah. but yeah there's a lot of that i also like i love going to the park love going to the forest um love connecting with nature coming to go back to exercise because i was one of those people that like exercised three days a week so but i'm so happy to be here it's so fun it's the first <laughs> podcast of being in as well so i'm kind of like Ooh. no way this is yeah. not your first podcast well you're killing it so that's fun <laughs> thank you and and the energy like i said this energy is is infectious i just feel the joy to be here right now like i'm just like yes everything we say lee's like ah it's the brazilian in me you know it's the brazilian in me and i was in the sun like a month ago so my vitamin oh. d levels are astonishing high yes it sounds like you're quite busy though like becoming freelance doing all this stuff that is a lot so thank you for making time to come onto our podcast our little podcast that's all right thank you so much for having me again honestly does it take a lot of time to um make the infographics because we've seen how beautiful they are and it's always pink like you know you're in your pink bathrobe right now and Uh, your pink wall it matches your pink aesthetic like um, it must take a lot of time to make them and like what actually made you start doing infographics on instagram well so i i've been doing instagram since 2017 and it sort of just started as a way of like documenting my life and the things i was doing i was in art Mm. school as well so i wanted to like share my projects and the little things that i was getting up to and then last year everything kind of happened um george floyd and black lives matter and all of that and when pride month hit i was just sort of feeling um kind of i don't know frustrated and upset and i wanted to do something about the situation and i was doing a lot of little things behind the scenes but i wanted to put my frustration out there somewhere and how i was feeling and i, I don't know kind of put my thoughts out there and do activism in a different way because i was already doing bits behind the scenes and and then I decided to put it on my platform. But the infographics, some of them take a lot of time. The ones that have multiple slides and a lot yeah. of writing take a lot of time. Sometimes because of the information, sometimes because I'm dyslexic. 
<laughs> and then like moving around the app and kind of doing things like so- sometimes can take like two hours but i love that you're dyslexic even you chose to do wordy instagram posts i know i know but if you look closely there are a lot of typos in them there are a lot <laughs> I, I, I never noticed that. and i get called out every now and then people are like sometimes dm me and they're like i'm sure this is not phrased correctly and i'm like oh no I've like considered taking down no. multiple ones. I know because I was like, "Oh no, there's a typo." Just but then I thought, you know, no, I can't. I can't. I can't take them down. You just, you just gotta own it. Listen, people know what you're trying to say. <laughs> people know what your vibe is, and you just gotta be like, "Yeah, of course it's spelled wrong." Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, one of your that's posts. That's my thing. It's true. <laughs> one and... of your posts said, "Neurodiverse is beautiful." Just keep quoting that. Exactly, and also yeah. like, I am dyslexic. You know, it's something I can't change about mm. myself. So it is, it is what it is. But uh, I love, I love doing the visuals for the yeah. for the infographics and believe it or not i always have the visual in mind before i even have the text so i prepare oh, a bunch okay. of like visuals and then i just add the text as i go i guess that's just how your mind works you're more of a visual person because yeah. you're you, you say you did art school yeah yeah so you're <laughs> a creator visual. through and through <laughs> yeah but when you when you do like put it together in the end with the text and the visuals like who are you trying to reach as well i think my whole thing is that i'm trying to be the older queer trans person that I always wanted to see when I was growing up and I didn't have someone like me to look up to so I guess it's just it's just representation I want to show people that there is someone like me out here you know hustling and doing all these things but that also believes that the world can be a better place and there are things that people need to think about and consider and change so that's kind of how like what sort of motivates me to do them but it is difficult at the same time because the backlash <laughs> is is intense sometimes but it's worth it because when I get like a dm from someone in like countryside somewhere being like oh my gosh I've never I never thought that someone like you existed and I'm so happy to have found you I'm like ah oh. It makes it all worth it you know speaking of the backlash I think mm. trans people obviously across the globe Um, but in the UK as well, are really struggling to have their identities recognised at the moment. And the few rights that we do have, you know, like limited access to public health care, it's constantly under attack and up for debate. So can you talk to us a little bit about this? Yeah, no, that's definitely right. And trans rights is something that I say sometimes, and it might sound a little bit negative, but I feel like it's something that we don't have yet. We have some advantages, we have some things that are in place to make our lives a tiny, tiny bit easier. But if you look on the grand scheme of things, like we don't we don't have rights, you know, we can't just exist in peace and have our identities protected. Um, For me, that's right. And it is it is difficult, you know, life as a trans person is pretty difficult in the UK, like from changing our names to, again, having access to healthcare. And yes, we do have access to healthcare, but it is really difficult. Getting therapy is difficult. Getting access to a gender identity clinic is difficult. It can take so many years. And, you know, over time, as we're waiting for that, so many issues can get aggravated. It is concerning to see that the government obviously doesn't care about us, which I'm not surprised because Tories. <laughs> but then at the same time, come on, like we are citizens and we deserve the basics, yeah. which we still don't have. But we're, we're going to get there someday. I <laughs> Again, I have the negative side of me that's like, we have no rights. Um, but then the <laughs> positive side of me is like, you know what, we, we are going to get it over time. Um, we just yeah. have to keep fighting yeah. for it. It still surprises me. Like there are people who don't have rights in the UK. Yeah, that's bizarre. But like we were saying earlier, like you do educate and inspire people through your Instagram posts. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I read about was Trans Plus, and like that sounds like it's going in the right direction, like supporting trans people before they can have their first appointment at a gender a gender clinic. So like you are one of those people putting information out there to help get people rights in the future yeah and that that post was actually written by um, my best friend shay shout out to shay um which (laughs) also makes incredible content on instagram but yeah i think it's exactly that i think it's important to spread information even if it is just you know in small doses because it can actually affect change 
And this yeah. is something that I think about from time to time. I reconsider what I'm doing online always because it, it's something that I put a lot of my time and energy into. So I think it's good to be critical about it. But one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is, is it enough? you know, to just put infographics out there, 10 slides, yeah. very minimal writing, not that much information. And then I'm like, you know what? It is because it's what I can do. I think I, I can't push myself to the point where I'm doing things that I know I'm not physically able to do. So that's what I'm able to do right now. Or at least what people yeah. see that I'm doing. Because <laughs> again, I, I, do, I do a lot of things behind the scenes and I, I should talk more about my work behind the scenes. But at some point I will but it's what I'm I have to show to the world right now and it is enough because it's all I have absolutely burning yourself out is is not the way forward um, and we don't want to see that either and again like other people can be doing this work too it's true it's not all on you and it shouldn't all be on your shoulders Shay is incredible I did a photo shoot with Shay a while ago and they're, oh, they're wow. just incredible they they have this really like cheeky like smile yeah. and giggle because they're, they're they were a little bit you know anxious about meeting me Aww. and and it was just hilarious and we ended up just with just chatting for hours i um, love shay you know so long as there's people like you and shay out here even just documenting your journey it gives us an insight you know yeah. because we, we we should be reading books we should be reading you know researching finding things out for ourselves but when we see the real people going through it and you know seeing their journey talking to them understanding them like that changes things as well oh, um so i think you know you sometimes it's like oh i'm just posting on instagram but you're actually telling us all a shit ton of insight that we didn't have before. So I, I'm super grateful for that. And I think, well, based on your following, your engagement and, and the fact that people know who you are, I think people are grateful for that too. So so yeah, don't stop, but don't burn yourself out either. <laughs> a little bit of a, a serious question. And I want I want to talk to you about this because, you know, you're, you've recently had your art, you know, your transition. Mm. Do you feel that as a trans person, there's still a, a some form of binary being forced upon you by wider society. You know, I know you've spoken a lot about trans men don't have to look like um, men and trans women don't have to look feminine. Yeah. Um, you know, do you still feel that binary is being forced upon you? I do. I do in a sense um, because I am a fab. So I was socialized as a girl. I guess in a way that idea of I have to I have to dress really feminine and I have to look a certain way was sort of always fed to me, you know, from a really young age. Even though my family was always really flexible and, you know, let me wear whatever. I did feel that because it is systemic, you know, it's structural yeah. in society. It's the way that we all grow up. We all grow up with um, gender expectations. I don't feel that as much nowadays because I went through multiple processes to figure out how I wanted to, how I wanted to dress, how I wanted people to see me. And I went through a period where I didn't wear pink, <laughs> believe it or not. Wow. I went through, wow. yeah, it was years, it was years. You would not <laughs> see me in pink. <laughs> I didn't wear makeup. I, like, I bought clothes from, quote unquote, the men's section. And I was what you would call, you know, tomboyish. I had a period of my life where I was like that. And I was just sort of like trying to find my, my fashion sense and sort of how I, again, how I wanted to show myself to the world. And yeah. I think now at the age of 25, I'm in a place where I dress like this because I want to dress like this. But I understand sort of the weight that wearing makeup has that wearing a dress has. I, I understand also that I do have privilege, you know, because I am someone who looks very femme and I know that me wearing a dress isn't shocking. I understand mm. that. But at the same time, it's what makes me happy. And I know I'm not doing that because it's society telling me that I should wear whatever. It's because I find I find it visually appealing. I'm a very visual person. <laughs> you used to be a tomboy. Yeah. And now you love pink. Yeah. But it's just like you were trying to figure out what made you happy. Mm -hmm. And just that. You're almost like trying to shut out society's influence and just figure out what makes you happy. Oh, definitely. And that was the kind of process. A hundred percent. And for a long time, I... Oh, gosh. I was so dysphoric as a teenager. And I was so... Like, the idea of being viewed as a woman sort of stressed me out a lot and made me very uncomfortable because obviously I'm non-binary. And I was starting the process, you know, of changing my name and telling people what my pronouns are, you know, they, them. 
and it, it was difficult because I was dealing with all of that and then people kept telling me you're a girl you're a woman you're a girl you're a woman so I wanted to distance myself from that as much as I could and I'm not saying this is the experience of every non-binary person but it's what happened to yeah. me and I felt like by distancing myself from everything that I in my head linked or associated with being um, feminine womanhood was as a way make me feel better about myself and it did you know for that period of time it did but then over time I realized you know what <laughs> I I like this I like pink and I like dress and I like makeup right now maybe in 10 years I won't <laughs> but I'm not I'm not gonna change who I am or the way I want to express myself because society is gonna perceive me as whatever because I exactly. know what I am yeah and at the end of the day, that's that's the final statement. That's that's what it comes down to. It's about you knowing who you are and yeah, making sure you're doing doing what's right for you, for your mental health, for your visibility, for your platform, for your yeah. uh, for I all of that. I love this positivity. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Speaking of positivity, let's remove clothes for a second. Ooh, oh, I know you okay. Don't want okay. To... <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're now we're now all doing a striptease on camera um for our listeners you should be very jealous that you're not here right now you i know you won't be you know too scared to talk about this because you you're very proud of yourself and your body especially now you've had your operation i think body positivity is becoming more and more vocal right we're all just i mean i love that everyone's getting their bodies out all over the show i i live for for instagram and twitter showing us some more body and lots of skin but why do you think we still struggle with our, you know, personal relationships with our bodies? And what, what do you do, I guess, to practice self-love? Um, I think it's because there's still an ideal body that is kind of forced upon us. You know, I, bl- I blame white supremacy and I blame capitalism <laughs> sure. for um, continuously hitting up, hitting us with sort of images of what our bodies should look like and showing us all the celebrities and, and kind of subconsciously telling us that we're not good enough unless we look like whatever whatever's changing at the time because it also changes from time to time (laughs) so we'll never be like our bodies will never be in trend at all times like we we're never going to be good enough according to according to beauty standards and one thing that for me was really really good in order to sort of be a little bit more body positive was to follow people that don't make me hate my body if that makes any sense and i know that I obviously have a lot of privilege being tall and being thin. But I, there was a point in my life that I was following a lot of people that were, you know, really incredible and interesting people, but were constantly talking about dieting, constantly talking about having exercise to lose weight. And that for me was really damaging because as much as I wasn't dieting or I wasn't, you know, trying to lose weight, that was in my head because I was seeing it a lot whenever people brought up dieting I would be like oh my god I heard about that and I would just have a conversation about it and I was like oh my god what am I doing like I, this is not this is not healthy for me it's not healthy for other people also sort of following people that have a different body type to mine and seeing beauty in everyone because I always thought everyone was beautiful but I realized that I wasn't following people that were much different to me or that different had much of a sort of different um, body type so yeah I think when you when you go out and see beauty in all its different forms you're like okay great and you no longer compare yourself as much I think it's something you know we're programmed to do we do we do compare ourselves and we are told that we should always be working on ourselves Mm. in some way shape or form we should always be striving for the next body you know gaining weight to gain muscle losing weight to be thin and Mm. actually like just existing can be enough sometimes, but it feels weird if you're not working on yourself. Oh, um, 100%, 100%. Did you know, so, so, yeah. I was even, I was sort of, I wasn't sure um, if I was even gonna share like the before and after of my top surgery. Mm. It was something I was really unsure about, mainly because I didn't want to kind of feed into this idea that there was a wrong body and a right body, a body that wasn't ideal and a body that is now accepted and beautiful. So I was really Mm -hmm. unsure about that. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it because I think it is important for people to see like what a breast reduction can look like on a person who is black and has a 
body shape similar to mine so that was useful but I yeah it, it was it was a lot of like battling with myself and being like oh do I do this but I also like don't want to feed into this idea of beauty standards and what a perfect chest looks like or what chest a chest should look like yeah of course it was incredibly brave to do that though I can only imagine so many trans people who haven't had operations yet just being like wow because even da- even down to the the fact that the waiting list is so long yeah. knowing that 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 is going to happen for them one day if that's what they want yeah like that that is inspiration in itself knowing that there is there is an end goal and if that's how you want to look and that's and that's where you need to get to you can you can achieve that 100% so, 100% yeah. but i don't know because i was sort of documenting my top surgery journey right or or as much as i could because i wanted people to kind of see what what it was like and the things that I was going through but I also felt a lot I felt a lot of pressure because I knew that the top surgery procedure that I was having wasn't like a lot of um sort of top surgery procedures that other people have because there are a lot of there are a lot of different things that you can actually do to your chest <laughs> and a lot of um different shapes and you can like change the size of a nipple and you can put like the nipple to the side or keep it keep it in the center and you can leave like a little bit of more um breast tissue or remove it all and i didn't want to how do I explain it? I didn't want to like move my nipple to the side. I didn't want to remove all of my breast tissue. So I knew yeah. my chest wasn't going to look quote unquote like the chest of a cis man, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. And I actually, I got, oh my God, I got so many DMs at the time when I showed what my chest looked like of people being like, you didn't have top surgery. That's not what top surgery looks like. That's not what a top surgery chest should look like. Yeah, I swear. Yeah. It was really intense. That expectation, you know, it was, oh, I struggled with that at the time. And I was post up, I was in pain. And then seeing messages of people being like, oh, but you know, your chest still looks big. Wow. But, yeah. People judging you. Yeah, it's a like... little bit. Not everyone, it was, you know. Yeah. It's like Spencer said, very brave to share that. It's a very personal journey that you're sharing, but it's something that needs to be out there so other people can see. You can have top surgery. It's not as scary as it might seem um, for someone who hasn't taken that step Mm -hmm. yet. So you're really helping people that way. But also you're like, I think it's really amazing. And it shows a lot of your character Mm -hmm. that you are so considerate about how you put stuff out there. Because like you said, you could be that kind of person who just says, I'm doing this this way and my previous body was not right and this Mm -hmm. is right. But you're, you're actually thinking about how there are loads of different trans non-binary people and their their type their body type what they want and what they have like it's completely different it's completely individual it also shows those people the haters their character like showing their true selves the haters i don't don't even think they're haters i think they're just misinformed Mm. because they have been fed this idea that top surgery looks like x by so many people and i'm not saying that people that do that um trans people that share share their experiences are doing anything wrong but i definitely feel like there is an expectation that i try to break a little bit (laughs) (laughs) but you do like okay so i guess not haters but people who are misinformed messaging you saying oh that's not top surgery and then you're like well actually it is they can kind of like think about it and then realize oh yeah it is and therefore yeah. you've changed someone's perception Definitely. of that one person yeah, at you a time opened, you opened up yeah you opened one up a time, whole literally. new conversation <laughs> and that's a conversation that i don't think was being had yeah if you if you can open up a conversation that's massive that's huge so i mean we're definitely glad you did that and i, I imagine many many other people will be too oh yay oh that makes me happy <laughs> One of the amazing things that you've done is to bring into the world Trans Winter Wonderland, which is a trans-only event during Christmas. It's my baby. <laughs> so tell us more about why you started this and what was your vision for Trans Winter Wonderland? I started it, it was actually because of a conversation, I think. Was it with Shay? But I was talking, but I spoke to multiple people, I think Shay was one of them, about what Christmas looked like. For me and my family and I said well I always have a really good Christmas with my family my family is really fun really out there so we always enjoy ourselves like and me being trans is never an issue they respect me and they love me for who I am and the multiple people that I spoke to always said the same sort of story which was either I'm not out to my family so I need to you know be sort of worry about that and there's the whole name situation and pronoun situation as well or I'm out to my family and they don't respect me don't respect my name don't respect my pronouns 
And I kept thinking about that and I thought, you know what, I would love to sort of have a space where trans people can come together and have a good time during Christmas because Christmas can be a very isolating period because people are usually yeah. busy either working a lot or either busy with, you know, uni work or college work or whatever. And it's the end of the year, so everyone's sort of doing their own thing. It's cold, people don't want to go out. And I thought, you know what, let's let's try and get this together. Let's try and do it once and see what happens. <laughs> and I did a crowdfund for it, and it went really well. And we ran it for the first time in 2019. The 2019 event, because that was your first one. Yeah. Could you explain to us like what happened on that day? Definitely, yeah. So we had a lot of food. <laughs> low, low food, um, hot food which I love and then we watched a few short films we made Christmas cards for each other just talked about life and it was fun it was good to sort of get together I don't know like I always think it's fun to meet trans people from all over and was it important for you to have it as trans only Definitely, mainly because I I know there are a bunch of events out there always taking place. I, I mean, especially before <laughs> before a pandemic, there are a lot of in person events for LGBT people. But I always felt like the amount of events for trans people were limited, and from what I know, that wasn't a festive trans only event in London. I think, oh my gosh, what, imagine if mine was the first one. That's epic. It probably is. <laughs> if it's not, we're saying it's the first one. It's very niche. <laughs> it's very niche. But yeah, I, should, I sort of just wanted to make a place where everyone would feel safe and mm. could be festive together. A place where our transness wouldn't be the centre of attention. So that was really important to me. If it is trans only, mm. then the, the transness isn't the main focal point because everyone's trans yeah therefore we can actually just talk about anything and everything it's and true. just actually have something close to i don't know like a christmas yeah yeah no exactly <laughs> it was a, like transness was the thing that connected us but wasn't the thing that made us you know it wasn't mm. our whole personality during the event like we were talking about life and oh that was really special for the 2020 event mm. were you able to capture that in a virtual sense uh, the 2020 event was different because we had speakers. So Shay was one of the speakers and Azakel from the Black Trans Foundation was the other speaker. And we just had sort of really long chats about sort of the trans experience in the UK and self-care, uh, family and community. It was, re oh, it was really fun. It was completely different, <laughs> completely different. <laughs> and there was no food involved. <laughs> <laughs> What? Not even a delivery. No. <laughs> um, and then even after the talks, we were there, you know, talking together. It lasted a few hours, so it was really good. It was really cool. Oh, uh, hopefully, it will come back from twenty twenty one. See, I don't know. I don't. <gasps> ah! You just said how amazing it was, and I you're know. like, no, Blast I'm done me. now. <laughs> the pressure. The pressure. I don't know. I think it's the kind of event that needs a little bit more structure. And I think I need to be in a place as well where I can dedicate like a lot more time to it. I need to like get it tuned mm. together to make it fit the vision that I have for it. So I might yeah. skip this year. And no. uh, ah, you're like, no. no, no. <laughs> what, what you do in this situation is you bring more people in <laughs> to help you out, to create your vision. It's, you don't skip a year. It's true. It's true. But to be honest, <laughs> like even last year, when was it? Like during, uh, I think it was around this time of the year as well that I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do it this year. And it happened. <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's because I'm a I'm a warrior. I have anxiety, so I always feel like, oh no, things things not, might not work out if I don't have like the structures yeah. in place. But if I manage to get all the structures structures in place, and if COVID allows, I will do my best to you know make an in person <laughs> event. And if not, then 2022. Then yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, so to bring it back down to the final question, and we're gonna do a little bit of a you know call to action to the people listening. But you wrote over on Instagram, your silence could cost the life of a trans person. This is a super bold statement, but I think we all agree that it's absolutely right. Why is it so important for trans allies to step up and stand up for trans people? I think it's because we as trans people, we are very vulnerable. We're already in a society that oppresses us every single day, you know, for existing. So we need people, especially people that are not trans, people that have the privilege of having a lot of the times the kind of access that we don't have to stand up for us and to, to show us that, to show that they're, they're fighting our fight 
for our rights, even though they don't um, benefit from it. I think yeah. that's really important. Yeah. No, 100%. I think even just holding spaces and holding the conversations it is is a starting point, right? Definitely. We can all always do more. Like you said earlier, we, we shouldn't burn ourselves out. One of the things that stands out for me is like, until you feel uncomfortable, like you're not doing it right. You know, if you're just having the easy conversation, like, oh, trans rights are human rights. Oh, like, yeah, that's goodness. all well and good. But like, <laughs> you need you need it. That, that There is more than that. There's more yeah. to it than that. Definitely. It's something we care about hugely at Queer Talk and something we're very adamant mm-hmm. on making happen. So, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, no problem. And I feel like following trans people, you know, can sort of make your allyship much, much better. Um, saying this to all the, the cis people listening to this. <laughs> but it's true because I feel like one of the major issues that I see is like we were saying before misinformation or sometimes even prejudice because people don't know, you know, and a lot of the times you don't know what you don't know. Um, so yeah. following people, not only me, but there are a lot of activists out there. There are a lot of people out there that we know you, we show up every day and we're there answering questions. We're there showing what our life experiences are like. And I think that that can be really helpful because I know a lot of the times people ask me questions respectively. They could feel, you know, sort of shy to ask a trans person in their life and they ask me. Hmm. And then yeah. I know that indirectly I, I am making life better for that trans person because then they don't have to answer that question about their nipple like post-op <laughs> you know <laughs> and that yeah so yeah definitely like follow trans people and support us in any way we can and i think that is the end of episode 25 ah 25 um, like me i'm sorry yes <laughs> i get so excited about like the little things <laughs> that honestly that was completely planned right muff scene like we, we yeah, totally. I, th- I think we definitely planned that mm-hmm. ex- exactly on number 25 for you and um, it's your 25th birthday today as well isn't it like, <laughs> did, we get, did we get that right <laughs> it was my birthday like when two two weeks ago something like that so oh we were two weeks too late god damn it yeah we we actually recorded this episode two weeks ago um and uh, a special happy birthday to you oh thank you (laughs) thank you so much for joining us and thank you to all of our listeners and thank you lee so much for making time to come on the show we know how busy you are and i can't i can't wait to see all the content you produce moving forward thank you so much thank you for having me honestly people like follow them on instagram follow for the love of queers as well for the epic (laughs) infographics yes well i was just gonna ask you lee like for our listeners how do we follow you uh so i am lee benedetti everywhere and don't forget to let us know if you've listened to this show on socials we're on instagram at queer underscore talk and on twitter we are at queer talk underscore until next time bye bye Bye. boom oh, cute oh i loved that that was so fun